Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. Let's take a look at the haves and have-nots of the regular season. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and how are you doing today? Thank you so much for tuning into Locked On Flames and making Locked On Flames the first listen of the day. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, and we are free 99 on YouTube as well. And if you have the time, please, 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 please feel free to leave a rating and a little review. It helps the show a lot, and I greatly appreciate it. As we uh, climbed the charts this postseason, it was kind of incredible to see. So thank you all again for tuning in, and I hope to have you here through the off season as well. This episode is going to be a breakdown of, you know, the haves and have-nots, who performed well enough in in, in my opinion, you know, I think that everybody has a different set of expectations for players, whether you're too critical or you're too lenient. And I figured that uh, since the sample size of the postseason is just truly too small to over uh, analyze and kind of grade a player's performance as a whole, figured we would take a look at the 82 game regular season. And we can't put all our eggs in one basket here. Overall, I do think that a majority of the roster performed up to the expectations and exceeded those expectations. You know, I don't think that any of us went into uh, October thinking, okay, um, Johnny Gaudreau's going to hit 100 points this season and Matthew Kachuk is going to have 40 goals and... Uh, Andrew Mangiapane is going to have a new career high with almost uh, 35 goals. You know, I think that everybody had high ex- or reasonable expectations. You know, that's the thing we learned last season. Manage those expectations so you don't get hurt and disappointed. And there's always going to be players who go above and beyond those expectations. And of course, the top line is one of them. Johnny wrapped up the regular season with 40 goals and 115 points. Yes, he surpassed his 99 points and just hammered it home with 115. I, I, I would say I can't believe it, but I can. You know, Johnny was truly set up for success this season by being moved to the top line finally and having consistent line mates of stronger stronger caliber, (laughs) as you could say, and he had healthy line mates, and that's something he hasn't really had for a while in his career, and um, the dynamic between Kachuk and Lindholm and Gaudreau was special. There was chemistry there, there was strong communication, and there was never really an opportunity for them to fail because they were just so in sync with each other. Uh, Matthew Kachuk also finished the season with 
100 more than 100 points he had 104 total points with 42 goals and i think that this goes to back to johnny in terms of this is some his presence on that line elevates the players around him they are all he is that kind of player he is that good of a player that no matter what line you put him on he is going to elevate someone <laughs> Do I hope that he is on the top line for the rest of uh, his career here in Calgary? Uh, Yes, of course. (laughs) But I think no matter where he goes, uh, you know, wherever, whether it be, you know, five, ten years down the line when he's um, actually, no, oh my goodness, he's 28. So, you know, like five years down the line and he gets bumped down to the second line because, you know, he's older and the young spring chickens are coming in and, you know, He's still going to be elevating those players. Elias Lindholm earned himself a Selkie, Selkie Trophy nomination. And I could not be more impressed and more proud. I think it is very obvious uh, that he had a fantastic defensive style to his game. And it also translated into his line mates as well. He finished the season with 42 uh, goals as well. I think that that top line was just outstanding. I think that it just, they, they all took strides to be better and to really take this team to the next level and ensure a successful season would be had. Johnny found himself playing another, um, another style of a game that he hadn't played before. You know, he, Johnny was able to step into a new role and play a 200 foot game, which he hadn't done before. And he was very open to trying this and transforming as a player. And I think that that's incredible. And it speaks to the confidence that he has and the confidence that his coach had in him. And uh, Andrew Mangiapani. You know, this kid, I just, oh my God. He was just a problem all regular season for (laughs) when the Flames are on the road. He finished the season with 35 goals and most of those goals came, I think like 28 of them came from on the road. And he took the next step in his career. He did. You know, we've been watching him since 2020 and just watching him the 2019-2020 season, and he has transitioned into that next-level player. He reminds me so much of David Posternock. I think that he is a fantastic playmaker. I think that he is a great two-way defenseman, but he has a lethal, lethal shot. And I am so happy to see that happen for him. I think all of us kind of just like root for him because he is another scrappy little like undersized guy. I mean, I could be wrong here. Uh, let me pull up his his height real quick. But I do feel like he is small. Yeah, he's 5'10". He's the same height as Gaudreau. And it's just those kinds of players don't get the recognition they, they deserve ever. And there are still people who today in 2022, after 115 point campaign, complain about 
Goudreau's size. And, you know, that again, that is a whole nother episode, a whole nother topic, but you don't need to be a giant def- defender or a tall and built forward in order to see success. You don't need that. And I think guys like Andrew Mangiapane and Johnny Gaudreau are proving that. But, you know, we the success doesn't end there. If that's where we ended the the halves and the good the good eggs of the season, that would be doing a serious disservice to this roster. But I do want to talk more about uh, the good eggs coming up next. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick second to talk about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is one of the many lifesavers in my life. I am someone who drives an older vehicle who does not like spending money on my car and rockauto.com has reliably low prices for every customer. Does not matter if you are a do-it-yourselfer, mechanic, a professional, whatever. They offer uh, just the lowest prices available for all your car parts or needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts your car and truck could ever need right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the part your car will ever need rockauto.com so thank you again for tuning in to another episode of locked on flames there wasn't an episode yesterday because of this nasty pneumonia bronchitis situation that i have going on and i'm so happy that you're here with me listening and uh I appreciate you. I appreciate the well wishes. And uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Uh, that way you can stay up to date with the latest uh, latest discussions. And of course, we can you can vote in polls to see which, which episode you want to put out first and what topics you want to hear on the show. So... Tyler Toffoli came in at the trade deadline, or actually that's a lie, a month before the trade deadline. And he was a problem for opponents. He was an absolute menace. Uh, I could not believe it. I thought that it, (laughs) I knew that he was going to be a problem for, or not a problem. I knew that he was going to be a great acquisition for the Flames. There was no doubt about that. But when he came in and had, you know, seven goals in seven games and just absolutely tearing it up, it was so obvious why you gave up a first-round pick for him. I thought that it was an excellent trade. I thought that it's a great deal for two years at four and a half million. Um, and he, he is a great locker room presence. And he also had 11 goals through 37 games. And yeah, you know, you'd obviously want to see him a little bit more. But I, I don't think that he underperformed in any way possible. I think that he had an excellent presence on the ice. I thought that he 
really helped with the special teams. I thought that he elevated this roster and the offense as a whole as well. I didn't have any problems with him until the postseason, but that's fine because that's we're not talking about the postseason, right? But, uh, you know, I, I really do like what we saw from him. I think that it was it was fair. It was very Tyler Toffoli of him to come in and just go on an absolute tear. And that was obviously very good to see. Um, speaking of Tyler Toffoli, we have his best friend, Milan Lucic, whose resurgence, the second coming of Lucic, um, did wonders for him this season. And he, there, there was a stretch of games where he played out of his mind. He was playing, number one, he finished, he played 82 games this season at 33 years old. That is impressive. Um, I, compared to where Lucic was two years ago, you would have thought that he would have been retired by now, but he didn't. He, you know, he kept going and he had like two years where he didn't score a single goal. And then to come in this year and score 10, he was an absolute menace going five hole, like four or five games in a row. And I just, it was nice to see. And I think a lot of his confidence came from that and a lot of his belief in the team and as a whole stemmed from his own contributions um I I don't think that you could write him off as a bust he yeah he was part of that waiver line for a little bit but he contributed enough 82 games 21 points at 33 years old. I just, you're not going to get much more out of a guy like that. And it's, <laughs> I appreciate it. And I'm, I know a lot of other people do too, because anytime that man had the puck on his stick during the, during the playoffs, the dome went insane. Now to shift into the, the new blood, the, the baby flames, uh, Adam Rizichka, okay? Adam Rizichka. He stepped in and showed Daryl Sutter in the front office that he is absolutely capable of filling a roster spot out of camp. And I think next season there is an absolute possibility that he is on the on the roster on the NHL roster uh especially if the flames move on from Sean Monahan which very well could be a possibility uh you know Rizichka had an interesting role this year he played 28 games and he was an absolute stud he looked fantastic out there uh, anytime he was out there, I didn't see him as a liability. I thought that he, for a 22-year-old who was playing with, uh, on a team that was, you know, had very good chemistry and pretty much well-established lines, he didn't, um, 
he didn't look out of place. He looked like he belonged. Five goals, five assists, you know, that's through 28 games. I think that that's, that's fair and that's reasonable. I, I don't think that there's any reason why you should be, you know, knocking him for that. He actually had, uh, he's ranked fifth on the team's shot person or shooting percentage. So, you know, he's right behind Johnny Gaudreau and I'm, I'm just, I was just thoroughly impressed by him. I, I think that there's a lot of room for him as well. And speaking of moving on from Sean Monahan, I do do not turn this off. I, I need to give him praise where it is due. When you look at the expectations and what he was coming back from, you have to realize that he was coming back from a very invasive and an intense surgery after playing and worsening his injury due to negligence from the medical staff and uh, care of his own body. But I, I don't think that there was really ever where there was a time where he was actively hurting the flames. There might have been a time or two. But nothing is distinctly coming to mind. He had uh, 23 points through... 65 games, eight goals, 15 assists. And I just am very, I'm sad. I'm sad that he's 27 years old and his career looks the way it does. It's just, it's sad. It's the truth. And I think that he went out there and gave it his all every single time. And that's what matters. And he, he did make an effort and he, he wanted to do better, and he couldn't because, unfortunately, another injury came his way. Noah Hannafin is another player that we have to look at because he has talked about taking this next step as a defenseman at 25 years old. He missed one game this season, had a career-high 48 points, 10 goals. Like he, he did have a good season. There were times offensively he looked great, obviously, right? With those numbers. 10 goals. Uh, yeah, he led the defenseman in goals. Uh, so I am just very, I don't know. I, I wanted more out of him in the postseason. I think all of us did. But he also improved through the regular season in terms of his defensive numbers. I think he stepped up. He knew that Gio was gone. He knew he had a a gap to fill and he did the best that he could. And I think there were obvious strides in his performance. I think there were obvious um, forward motion. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, to wrap up our good eggs, let's talk about Blake Coleman and his first season in Calgary he had an excellent first season in all honesty um I know a lot of people kind of gave him a hard time because you know he couldn't even crack 20 goals but I thought that he played well I thought that the Mangiapane backland and Coleman line was an excellent line I thought that uh it showed 
glimpses of what that third line in Tampa Bay looked like, and it looked fantastic. Um, I just, I don't, I don't have an issue with the way that Blake Coleman played. I thought that he played very well. I liked the way he played. And I think anybody who has been overly critical of him uh, is a silly goose. (laughs) But I just, again, I think that there's still time for him to prove his contract. And there's plenty of time for him to shut up the haters. But again, sometimes it is the the intangibles that are (laughs) that are what matter in when it comes to grading a player's season. Coming up next, we will wrap up the show with the rotten, stinky, smelly eggs of the Calgary Flames regular season performance report. And uh, please make sure that you are subscribed before you leave today's episode. There were plenty of times where I thought we would really get that notification from Elliot Friedman saying Calgary waved Richie, Lewis, and Richardson. They, they waved one of them. They waved one of them. <laughs> but Brett Ritchie and Trevor Lewis managed to stay members of the Calgary Flames through the entire season and postseason, which was truly astonishing. They had a combined nine goals and really did absolutely nothing for this team. I cannot express how much pain it caused me to see penalty after penalty after penalty from those two and just silly turnovers and costly mistakes that just would not amount to anything helpful or useful. Uh, There was no reason for them to be employed by the Calgary Flames. Brett Ritchie not seeing the waiver wire uh, transaction was incredible. I don't I don't know what kind of dirt he has on Daryl Sutter or Brad Tree Living, but you know it's it must be something good because my God, that it's just it was brutal. I just there was no contribution. There was no use for it at all. And, you know, Trevor Lewis was obviously brought in for that veteran presence to eat fourth line minutes, but I just, the penalties that he took just do not, do not uh, make up for any of it. And I, like, thinking about it, I'm just getting more and more frustrated. And his performance in the postseason as well. Like it was absolute dog crap. And I don't understand how you can roll out that, that those two players, like a lineup with those two players and expect to win. Kelly Yarncroak was another, Yarncroak was another 
trade deadline acquisition from the Seattle Kraken. He had zero goals through 17 games. And his first goal as a Calgary Flame came in game five against the Edmonton Oilers. So it was a bit disappointing to see. I think people expected him to perform more at a better level, as anyone does when you acquire a new <laughs> a new player. But boy, boy, Callie just did not uh, live up to anyone's expectations. Barely, barely made the bare minimum. I don't even think you can say he made the bare minimum, to be honest. Who's from Valimaki? When I was going through the roster, okay, I like scrolling and saying, okay, like who, who are some other names that I like didn't instantly come to mind? Who's a Valimaki did not, he only played nine uh, games with Calgary this season before being sent down, but he, his season as a whole was so interesting because he's, he had obvious struggles up here in Calgary. He did not look like even an AHL defenseman um, when he was playing with the the roster. And he, he Daryl Sutter sent him down. And then he was suspended. He was injured. I think he was suspended again. Came back from injury. And there was just a whole lot of chaos surrounding his season. And I, I don't know what that is. Uh, if you want me to do a whole episode on Valimaki dissecting his season, let me know. I think that would be an interesting case study to look at. But there was just a lot of regression there. And he needed a lot more development, uh, plenty more time to kind of gain his footing, find his footing again. And that room for improvement, uh, you know, there's a lot left to be desired there. And it was just a mess of a season. But that will do it for today's episode of Locked on Flames. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I probably should have rested my voice another day, but I miss y'all so much. I miss talking to my camera. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you to follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and you can find the show at LO underscore flames pod. And um, I will see you all tomorrow for our winners and losers of the week. Bye-bye.